when is it appropriate to push past your own boundaries to please somebody else? When should we put somebody else's needs above our own, even when that might mean that we're uncomfortable or negatively impacted? Where's that line between self-care and selfishness? You are listening to Bold as Love. I'm your host, April Boyd. I'm a psychotherapist, coach, and breathwork facilitator, and this is a place where we talk about how to show up with more kindness and confidence in our conversations with the people around us, in our relationships, and in our lives. And this question was actually sent in to me by somebody, but it's been a bit of a theme that's been coming up a lot. So I wanted to spend some time on this here and of course, remind everybody that these podcasts are never a replacement for individual therapy or one-to-one work. So what I'm offering you is really just my own perspective on this, that I want to encourage you to filter through your own wisdom, your own gut instincts, and take the parts of this that land for you, and feel free to set aside the parts that don't. Because what I'm going to share with you today is my process of how I take care of myself in the moments when I know something's not good for me, but I decided to do it anyways. (laughs) And we've all been there, right? Because that's often life. And actually, I had a client ask me one time, she's like, so do you just never do things that you don't want to do? Because I talk a lot about saying no, I talk a lot about setting limits. And so I understand how, you know, it might kind of look like that from the outside, that I just always say no to anything that's not a wholehearted yes for me. But that's actually not the case because here's the thing. We don't live in towers isolated off by ourselves. We live in our relationships with other people. And there's times when, you know, my needs might not add up well or match well to what somebody else who matters to me also needs in that moment. And we need to kind of figure that out right? And so as we're kind of moving through this experience of getting to know what we need, getting to become more and more self-aware of how we're impacted, which is such a huge accomplishment, right? When you really think about the kind of work and effort that it takes to just really pay attention and start to notice, ah, here's how I feel after I'm in these kinds of situations, or here's kind of the emotional cost for me after I hang out with this person, or here's when I know that I really am operating at my best, right? That in and of itself is such a huge accomplishment to have that level of self-awareness. So kudos to you for even listening to this, because clearly that hits home for you as well. And the next kind of part of that you know, is starting to look at how we navigate that space when I know something's going to negatively impact me, but I kind of need to do it anyways. And so there just are those times where, you know, a need that my partner might have does not necessarily spark joy in my life, right? A commitment or a responsibility or something that, you know, is really his preference doesn't always feel like it's the best use of my time and energy. 
But I think what we're looking at is really creating relationships of reciprocity, right? The times when I can give because I also know that I receive. This is not just a one-sided relationship or friendship or whatever that connection is that you have in your life where you're always the one sacrificing. You're always the one bending yourself into a pretzel to accommodate somebody else's needs and wants, right? But when we're in this place, when it's reciprocal, right? Then if something comes across, you know, my plate and it's something that my partner has that like, I'm not into it. (laughs) I would rather not do it. One of the things that we've learned to do is to first and foremost, scale it. And this has avoided so much frustration and conflict. So if there's something, let's say that he has a work event that he has to go to and he's told me about it, I'll say, okay. And let's say I'm not really feeling it. I'll say, okay, scale of one to 10. How important is this event? And if he's like, it's an eight, this one's kind of a big deal. Cool. Maybe I'll suck it up and go. I'll probably suck it up and go. (laughs) If it's like a three, mad, this one is not really that big a deal. It's okay if I miss it, right? Or if you don't come along, cool. Now I know I've got some wiggle room. But when we don't check in on that scaling process of it, we tend to rate everything as probably being a nine or a 10 for our partner or the person that we're talking to. Because they've asked me for this, it's probably really important. But you know from your own self, that's not necessarily the case. There's times I throw out invitations. I'm totally fine whether the person comes or not, right? I'm going to go anyways or whatever that is. And then there's the times when we're like, oh, no, this one means something to me. This one is really important to me that you're with me, right? So starting to make that really crystal clear, first and foremost. The next thing I like to look at and this one has actually been such a game changer, is taking a moment to get really clear and honest with myself about why I'm going. And oftentimes in those moments where let's say it's my partner that has some, an obligation or commitment, right? And I'm deciding whether or not to accompany him. When I can check in, if you know, in those moments when the scales have tilted and you're like, yeah, I should probably go. So valuable to look at your reason for why you're going. And for me, that reason is not because I feel like I should. It's not because people will be disappointed if I don't show up, right? Or any of those external outside my household kind of things. The reason of my why that often comes up in those moments is because I'm choosing to support this person. I'm choosing to support my partner. I'm choosing to support my friend. That is my reason for going. And when we can get grounded in that place, one, we've moved out of this idea kind of almost feeling like a victim, like we're getting dragged along for something that we don't want to do. It's kind of like we're in this place of having one foot in and one foot out. I'm going to do this, but I don't want to do this. I like to check in and own my decision if I'm saying yes and if I'm going along and doing it. 
I'm choosing to do this. No one is making me do this. I'm choosing to do this for this reason. And that, when I'm able to do that for myself, oh my goodness, it takes away so much tension because I'm no longer feeling like I'm forced into something. I'm aware of my own agency and choice. And that's a very different vibe, right? It creates a whole different kind of experience. And then I can go into that event very clear. The goal is not that I'm having a good time, (laughs) right? Your brain is going to trick you to be like, to really be tracking. How am I doing? Is this okay for me? Right? And filtering kind of everything through that. How is this all landing for me? That's what our brains do. We discern and assess our surroundings. But when we can bring ourselves back to, here's the reason why I'm actually here. It's not for me then our presence or our participation becomes an act of love. And sometimes that's not for the person who's there, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to go and attend this family event or whatever that is with my partner's crew of all these people over here for him, even if he's not a part of that circle, right? Notice how we can kind of extend that when we get really clear on why I'm choosing to say yes to this really. The next thing, and this is actually what um, the woman that wrote this question to me suggested, because of course she has you know, so many of her own really good tools and I won't go into the whole thing that she wrote. I'll just summarize some of her points here. So one of the things that she mentioned that she does to take care of herself in a situation where it's overwhelming, it's sensory overload, She would kind of say no to some of this if she could, but it doesn't really feel like an option in that circumstance. She does a bit of a needs assessment. As I'm going into this environment where I know it's going to be hard on my nervous system, there's going to be a lot of sensory overload coming at me, a lot of people I don't really know, right? A lot of whatever those kind of factors are that maybe make your system feel a little rattled and a little taxed, we can start to look at how can I take care of myself within that situation? And one of the things that she talked about was going and taking bathroom breaks where like she would just go to kind of have a minute alone to just stand there, breathe, check her own phone, whatever that is and have a moment of quiet and solitude. And as I say that, it reminds me of this big group trip I was on that, you know, I love that. It's amazing. So many memories and all relationship building and all of that, but also hard on my introverted little heart, (laughs) right? That part of me that gets sensory overloaded. Oh, sorry. My little dogs are barking at my partner coming in the house. So When I knew that this was going to be, you know, a trip I was excited about, but I also had a fair bit of anxiety, right? Of like, how am I going to feel? How taxing is this going to be? Ultimately, like, how okay am I going to be in this situation? Because we don't know, right? And one of the things that I did was I kept my headphones handy in my purse. So then for the times that there was like a long drive, a long road trip part of the trip, I could say, hey, do you mind if I just like catch up on something I'm listening to right now? Like I just need to do this for a minute. 
And people are like, yeah, no, because they don't really care, (laughs) right? Like they're having their own experience. And oftentimes when you give yourself permission to the thing that makes you feel okay, it also allows other people to do the thing that makes them okay, right? So I pop in my headphones, which on one hand is a little bit of a social faux pas. On the other hand, I've been on this bus with these people for days, (laughs) And if I don't go inward into my own brain, into my own system, I'm going to end up feeling like I'm going to self-combust, right? So looking at what is it that your system needs to make it feel a little bit easier with some recognition and acknowledgement that your system probably is being taxed. There is an energetic and emotional cost, right? To going outside your comfort zone in whatever way or form that is to those moments of give. And so one of the other things I think of with that is that also, I believe it's always trial and error, right? It's always this process of like, okay, here's what I tried. Here's what worked well. Here's what didn't. Here's what I would do differently next time. So one time my partner and I had a whole house full of people that were spending, I can't remember, long weekend at my house. And one of the things that we had done at that time was we had offered up our bedroom so that some of our guests could basically have the most comfortable space. And, you know, it's kind of the thing I'd heard of other families doing this as like the polite thing to do. So we tried it out, right? And I said, here, you can have our bedroom. I will never do that again. (laughs) I know for some people that feels like I absolutely have to give up my bedroom for people to come and have the comfy spot in the house. I will never do that again because one, I'm not a great sleeper at the best of times. Actually, that's not true. I'm a great sleeper in my own bed with my own routine and my own thing. You take me out of that and my system suffers, right? So I barely slept the whole weekend. And two, what I realized with that experience made me become so aware of was that I needed a place to retreat. So being able to go into my own bedroom, to shut the door, to have a bath, to lie down was an essential part of what my system needed to be able to recharge my batteries and then come back out and enjoy the experience again. When I didn't have that, what happens when we're not getting our needs met, right? We get cranky, we get irritable, we get tense. We're not really having a good time anymore. So looking at, you know, what do I need that will help me be more okay in this scenario? And the other kind of trick that I learned, which is a bit of a side note, if you say to people, not all people, but people that, you know, identify a little more as introverted, totally get it. If you're like, okay, I'm just going to go have a bath and like, I'll be back. Right. People that are, in my experience, highly extroverted, don't necessarily understand that need unless they've done a lot of their own work to kind of be really aware of how the people around them operate and learning about differences and all of that. So for some people, it feels almost a bit like rejection of if I'm going and taking space, then somehow I'm taking space from you. (laughs) And the trick that I learned to kind of just work around that is to be like, 
I'm going to go take a nap. And I'm rarely ever actually napping. I'm reading. I'm looking at my phone. I'm kind of just lying down for a bit and maybe listening to an audiobook with my eyes closed. I'm charging my batteries with some solo time. So what is it that you need as you're thinking about maybe the upcoming holiday season and some visits that you need to go and do or some obligations or commitments that you have? What would help you to feel a little more grounded as you're in those situations? So I would love to hear what stood out for me. Oh yeah. And the last thing I want to add is I absolutely factor in both my emotional prep time and my recovery time. So I've learned that the activity we're doing is never just the time that it takes to do that activity. There's like the emotional and energetic cost that we pay for that after. So if I'm going and doing, let's say a long weekend, you know, with people that like I love and adore, but also like, I know that I'm going to need a couple days after we're like, I'm not at my best. So that's not the time that I'm going to come home and schedule doing a whole bunch of podcasts or, you know, writing my book and being really creative and productive because I'm just not going to have that available to me. And I also factor the energetic cost into whether I'm saying yes or no to begin with. And one of my clients kind of described it like this, right? As she's done a lot of work of really moving out of some of those automatic habits of people pleasing to really that needs assessment of, you know, I'm tracking what's going on in that person's world. So let's say it's about filling in for a work shift. And if they've had four people, right, call in sick to work, even if I kind of felt like I needed this day to recharge my own batteries or take care of other things at home, it's not my day to work. I'm going to go in because I see the need is really high. If they've got, you know, only one person off and yeah, it'll be a little bit of a strain, but ultimately totally fine and kind of normal, then I'm going to take my day. And it's kind of like thinking about those scales, right? Those scales in your mind when you're weighing out cost and impact. Because this is what we're doing, right? And there's those times where we're going to take one for the team and say, even though this is going to cost me, it feels like the right thing to do is to say yes or to participate or to give. But I'm going to take care of myself after and during in the best ways I can. So let me know what stood out to you in this episode. I love to hear your thoughts and feedback. And if you got value out of this podcast, the best way that you can support somebody doing a podcast is to share that podcast. So I would love it so much if you took a screenshot, tag me on Instagram. I'm at with love April. And that would mean a lot to me. I'll see you next time. Take care.